Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Out of respect for the words and actions of our Savior, please stand for this gospel reading. The gospel which will serve as our sermon text this morning is John chapter 1, 35 to 51. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of our Lord. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, we heard about a young man in the Old Testament lesson named Samuel. Help us also to have that same attitude to say and pray, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And now, may, and now Lord, Open my heart to hear that through your word that you draw near. Let me your word, heir pure, retain. Let me your child and heir remain. Amen. You may take your seats. In the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, my dear friends. From 1961 to about 1998, ABC Network had a neat program. It was called ABC's Wide World of Sports. Maybe many of you remember. Every Saturday afternoon, there was a different scene from the sporting world, whether it was a race car or driver in the winter circle, perhaps it was downhill skiing, all kinds of different scenes, Harlem Globetrotters, bobsled racing, anything and everything that you can imagine. And always the tagline was, the thrill of victory 
and the agony of defeat. But you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat is not just a, a saying that's true in sports. Sometimes it's true in life, isn't it? For example, in August, you celebrate that wonderful family reunion. Everybody was there. And then in October, that same group is together to hold a funeral for Grandpa, who unexpectedly died. Or you young people study and make the honor roll. You do well on your final exams. You do well on the ACT, the SAT. You know your ABCs. And then you apply to your favorite college and you get rejected. Or you think that you're going to make that basketball team. Or you're going to get that part in the school play. And bottom line, you're cut. You didn't get a part. And then a little personal anecdote or about the agony of defeat. The biggest snowstorm of the season, and on Friday and Saturday, my snowblower told me that he doesn't work Fridays and Saturdays. <laughs> you know, those ups and downs can come to us in life. The question is, how do we react to those things? Especially when we are tempted to think that the one who is in control of all things has let me down. When we're tempted to think that, you know, you say you love me, you say you're all powerful, and yet... And there are two responses that we can give. How could you do this? Or, Lord, help me to get through this. One of those is from the evil one. The other is a spirit-wrought prayer asking for God's help in the challenges and agonies of defeat. What's the remedy when we are tempted to question God? Call him out, <clears throat> find him lacking, asleep at the switch. It's not to walk away from him, but rather it's to walk toward him and to spend more time with him. In this Epiphany season, the series set up for us asks us to spend time with Jesus, get to know him better in different locations, at the river, today with people who are under the fig tree in other locations. The key, my friends, is to spend time with Jesus and His Word because He does not disappoint. Two thoughts that we're going to talk about this morning into that. You see, His Word, His Word is where you learn about Him. Now, if you want to learn about Abraham Lincoln, 
George Washington, Dwight Eisenhower, you read a book about them. Well, the Bible is Jesus' book, and in that word, he encourages you so that we grow in faith, so that we don't call God out, but rather we call others to God. Secondly, his word changes you and me from skeptical to confident. We heard last week from Pastor about how John the baptizer, the forerunner, was introducing people to Jesus, how he was proclaiming a message of law and gospel, baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. Crowds went out to him. And then later, after Jesus was baptized, we hear John point and say, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as Jesus is calling disciples, John says that again. Look, the Lamb of God. Now John, during his course of ministry, had called disciples to himself, followers who were learning from him. And now as John the Baptist says this, look, the Lamb of God, two of his disciples or followers turned to follow Jesus. One was a man named Andrew, who had a brother named Simon. The other is thought to be John, the gospel writer. And so these two follow Jesus, and Jesus turns and says, What do you want? Where are you staying? Come and see. And so they spend the better part of a day with him. One of the first things that happened after spending that time with Jesus was that Andrew called his brother Simon. We have found the Messiah. We've been waiting for centuries for this promised one to come, and he's here. Come and meet him. And then when Jesus meets him, he said, You're Simon. We're going we're to give you a new name. We're going to call you Cephas, which means Peter. You're going to be the Rocky of the group. And he was. Spending that time with Jesus did not disappoint Andrew. It encouraged him to call others to the Lord. And it made such an impression upon John that centuries, not centuries, decades later, when he wrote this gospel, he remembered the exact time of day when they had found Jesus. Now what did Jesus say to these men? Oh, I wish there had been a scribe there or a recording device so that we could play it back and hear. But maybe we could use a little bit of sanctified speculation to talk about what Jesus might have said to them. Now, you guys are followers of uh, John. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What do you think he meant when he said, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Well, you're the rabbi, you tell us. What do you know about lambs? Well, we sacrifice lambs at the temple. Why do you do that? Well, Moses' law commanded us to do that. Well, why did Moses say that? Why did God give that command? Well, we offer lambs for the forgiveness of sins. We do that at Passover time. Well, how many lambs have you sacrificed? Oh, goodness. Who knows? 
There are sacrifices morning and evening every day at the temple. Why do they keep on repeating? Because those sins are not really taken away by the shedding of an animal's blood. You see, sin is serious business. Sin is damaging. Sin is rebellious. Sin is damning. And God knows that the animal sacrifices don't take away sin. And so He sent the Messiah to come and offer that sacrifice as the Lamb from God to take away the sin of the world. The Messiah has come. He hasn't come to take away Roman occupation and excessive taxation. He's come to take your sins away. There are a lot of thoughts about what the Messiah should be. But the Messiah is coming not to introduce an earthly kingdom, a glorious kingdom, but rather to make you ready by God's grace to enter the kingdom of glory. That and more, perhaps Jesus shared with those two men. And those two men became disciples of Jesus. Now, it took the better part of three years for those disciples to be rid of the notion of a glorious earthly kingdom, but finally they got it, and they got the benefit of it. They got to that point where they knew Jesus' words and promises did not disappoint. And they got to that point where they started calling others. Calling others to the Lord. For you and me, when we find those times when we're perhaps a little disappointed or or thinking that God has let us down, it's time then to shift our focus. To shift our focus from our plans, the way we think our life should be going, that everything should be problem-free, and remember something very important about Jesus' mission and his desires for you and for all mankind. Jesus didn't come to make your life easy. Jesus didn't come to take away all your diseases, problems. And Jesus didn't come to guarantee that you're going to be wealthy. He came to take your sins away. He came to suffer and die on the cross. And he will move heaven and earth to keep you in the faith and bring you to glory one day. And so we need to recognize that when some of those things come along, that diagnosis that comes unexpectedly, turning good health upside down by a cancer designation, we need to remember that sometimes the Lord says, You know, you might be 45, 65, or 85, but I'm going to give you that disease in order to call you home. So get ready, because it's going to be soon. Or perhaps he helps, or perhaps he lets us live just paycheck to paycheck so that we don't fall in love with our money and fall out of love with him. 
Or perhaps he puts that giant speed bump in your life so that 10 years from now, you're able to help a loved one or a friend when they're facing that very same dilemma, whether it be a loss or a tragedy or whatever it might be. We need to spend time with our Lord Jesus. And stop calling him out and rather be moved and strengthened to call others. You know, in the text, one of the men that Jesus calls says, uh, Come and see. That, that's a good word to remember, good phrase to remember. Spending time with Jesus does not disappoint. So perhaps there are people in your sphere of friends or associates or people who are even relatives who maybe are in that dark zone or in that, that dark valley and they're, they're questioning God and wondering what, what's this all about? And they need an invitation. And there are some wonderful times coming up here in the next several weeks for our Bethany Church family to do that very thing, to not say come and see, but come to church with me. We're getting a new pastor. Invite that person to come and hear him. Who knows what gifts and abilities and blessings that man is going to bring to this congregation. His preaching, teaching, his outreaching. Why, goodness sakes, <clears throat> come and see, come and hear. Realize a month from now, Lent is going to start. Ready or not, right, Pastor? Those are wonderful opportunities to invite people to come. Those Lenten services, those Lenten messages, and those Lenten meals, what a great time. Or invite someone to come to that Bible class. Come and attend this Bible class. We've got a fine young pastor who's got a new class going on. And then we'll go out afterwards for breakfast and talk about it. Come with me. In these ways, we invite others to come. And yes, always in the Lord's hands, maybe one of these years there's going to be a brand new church out there on Lindale Drive. And you can say, yeah, that new building project, we're members there. Come and attend and see what's going on there. Lots of opportunities to spend time with Jesus he does not disappoint. And so if you know those, reach out to them. Maybe they're in the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe they're in that, under that fig tree of doubt. Maybe they're doing fine as far as they are concerned, but they know there's something missing. And so Jesus called those disciples, Andrew and John, and then before he was going to go back up north to Galilee, he called a man named Philip. And we're going to see that Philip called Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is the skeptic in the crowd. God's word changes skeptics to confident believers. Philip heard what Jesus said, immediately wanted to call Nathaniel. We found the Messiah, the one Moses wrote about, the one the prophets foretold, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? 
Did anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, I don't know what was wrong with Nazareth. Maybe being down there in Judea, near the temple, near all the learned people, where all of the high priests and his entourage were, Jerusalem and the capital and so forth and so on. You know, little Nazareth up, it's one of those hick towns up north, eh? I don't know. But he was convinced that no, no one, nothing good can come from there. Certainly not a Messiah. Maybe it was regional prejudice. Personal anecdote, when I was a mission pastor 40 years ago down in West Texas, knocking on doors in the neighborhood where we were planning to start a church. Hello, I'm Pastor Dennis Belter. I'm with Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, and we're going to be starting a new church here in the neighborhood. We'd like to speak with you and your family about whether you have a church or not. We'd like to share information with you. And this old codger looked me right in the eye. He said with his West Texas accent, we don't need any blankety-blank Yankees coming in here pushing their religion down our throats. Okay, I guess they won't put you on my mailing list. <laughs> but you will be on my prayer list as he slammed the door. Now, Philip could have walked away and said, fine, Nathaniel, be that way. But he didn't. Invited him. And then Jesus spoke to Nathaniel. Nathaniel heard that life-giving word. It showed Jesus' omniscience. It showed Jesus was the Son of God. He knew me before Philip even talked to me. He knew that I was under a fig tree. <clears throat> This has got to be some divine being. This has got to be the Messiah. And so, yes, indeed, that skeptic was changed to one who was confident. You are, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. But Jesus told him, you're going to see greater things than that. How would that be? Because for the next three years, he was going to be spending time with Jesus. He was going to be hearing his word. He was going to be seeing those miracles. And the Holy Spirit was going to work on him. And all those disciples. To change them from skepticism to confidence. As we talk about spending time with Jesus, whether it be under the fig tree. It's very important for us in this new year to do that. Here at God's house, in Bible studies, in your own homes, set yourself some goals. Whether it be Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, set yourself a goal to read through one of those Gospels, one chapter every day. If you're not one who is regular at church, 
Take the challenge in this new year of coming to church every Sunday for six weeks in a row, minimal. And see the change that God can work in your heart and life. Change you from being skeptical to being confident. If you're not one who comes to Bible study, try it for six weeks. We've got some neat classes going on here. And you'll see how the Lord changes you. How He enriches your life. How He changes your outlook. You see, so oftentimes in life, we get caught up in the things of this world, the accumulation of goods. We think if we have more toys in life, we'll have more joys in life. And it ain't the, that ain't the case. Because my dear friends, someday, just as surely as three to six months from now, and I hope it's sooner, that snow is going to be gone. Someday, all those things that we have accumulated are going to be gone. And it's just going to be you and the Lord standing there. What He wants for you is to have you in the winner's circle. To have you on that podium to receive the crown of everlasting life. But oftentimes, this world tries to make us doubt. This world tries to make us think that we should be disappointed and disenchanted with our Lord Jesus. He doesn't really care. He's not really in control. Push those thoughts aside just like we pushed that snow out of our driveways this weekend. Take the challenge. Worship faithfully. Take the challenge of coming to class. Take the challenge of reading through one of those Gospels in this new year. And I promise you, I guarantee that spending time with Jesus and His Word will never disappoint you. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.